0: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You are listening to The Heartbeat of Kitsap, powered by the Silverdale Chamber of Commerce.
1: Welcome to Uplift Kitsap. We are the virtual Kitsap Business Forum. Our mission is to engage in meaningful dialogue and stimulate thinking with our business community on relevant topics so that collectively we grow a healthy Kitsap economy. We started as the Kitsap Business Forum, powered by the Silverdale Chamber of Commerce, and the team and I decided as of last week that we're back in person in September and we'll be back to our monthly live events... Um, starting on the second Tuesday of September and following the second Tuesday every month thereafter. And we decided also that we're going to keep our Uplift Kitsap webinars alongside of that. So a little bit more information to come, but those will happen on the first and third Tuesdays. I think we decided... I'll double check it and make sure you guys get an email for it so you don't just take my word for it. Um, So we'll have still something like every Tuesday um, for you, whether it's virtual or live. So we can get everything covered and our lives will still be a hybrid as well. So we got lots of fun stuff coming and lots of work for the team to do. (laughs) And we're looking for more people on our team. So if anyone wants to volunteer for that, we'll take you. Marketing, support, event planning. If you wanna take my job as facilitator, let's do it. Thank you to all of our sponsors, our partners and our supporters, West Sound Recording Group for turning these into podcasts, Wave Broadband and Kitsap Bank. April's on here, Taylor's on here. I saw someone else from Kitsap Bank on here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Serve Pro of Kitsap County, Express Employment Professionals. We've got myself and Jeremy on here. Port Madison Enterprises, the Silverdale Chamber of Commerce, Imprezi Marketing, b Auto Repair, and the Global Leadership Summit, which is going to be coming up again. So Amy might give us an update for that later. I just got an email launching some of the new speakers for this year. Thank you to the steering committee. They make everything happen behind the scenes. Myself as your chair, Crystal Thomas. We have Joel Baxter, Angela Henderson, Amy Lacker-Pickering, April I.D. Onifray Kathleen Arndt, Michael Walls, David Emmons, and Kathleen Hopkins. Thanks, team. Upcoming events, we'll be skipping Memorial Day next week because we'll all just be coming back into the office, so it's going to be crazy. And then on June 8th, this one might move out a little bit based on Johnny's schedule. I am talking with him tomorrow, so um, I'll get an update out to you either way, but he'll be talking about the new tax laws that are coming up, some of the new payroll taxes and regulations that isn't all that exciting to listen to, but we all need to know anyway. Then June 15th, we'll be with Dan Whedon on changing the office landscape and what that's going to look like, as we were talking about while we were... (laughs) all getting signed on. And then I'm also hosting a webinar on holding people accountable on June 29th. It's my seven year anniversary as an express owner. And Art Atkinson trained me in the very, very beginning seven years ago. So he's going to come in and do that for me. It will be zoom. And I'll put the link in the chat for you guys a little bit later. So if you want to register for that, no charge. And I'm definitely throwing that out to all of you guys as well. So check us out on the Silverdale Chamber or Forum.com. and all of these, like I said, get turned into a podcast two weeks later. So you can find those on the heartbeat of KitsapPodcast.com. And thank you to everyone. I was talking with Rick last week and we have like 90 downloads a month of our podcast. So bravo, everybody. Today, we have Jeremy Flowers and Taylor Jernigan uh, about engaging and retaining employees. Big deal at this point in time, since there aren't a lot of new employees to backfill them with, so you got to keep the ones that you got. (laughs) And the process of building a productive workforce doesn't end after the hiring decision is made. Without a plan in place, you run the risk of watching your new employees walk out a constantly revolving door. So today, we have Jeremy Flowers, regional developer with Express Employment professionals. He is an operations and business development executive who leverages resources, insights, and best practices to drive aggressive growth. Jeremy's dedicated to professionally developing his direct reports, driving down employee turnover, and increasing engagement. He's known for building people up, I can attest to that, and driving efficiency, productivity, and exceptional results for employers. Taylor Jernigan is the Employee Relations Administrator with Kitsap Bank and has comprehensive human resource experience, including talent management, training, benefits, and compensation. Her experience spans hospitality, medical, and banking in both union and non-union environments. Taylor joined Kitsap Bank about three years ago. She lives loves the community atmosphere. She is a business school graduate of the University of San Francisco. And outside of work, Taylor and her husband like to explore the Puget Sound on their boat with their three dogs. So welcome, welcome. I'll get rid of this slideshow and we'll jump into a conversation. So welcome, Taylor and Jeremy. I appreciate you both taking time out to chat with me before and to be here today to share with us. Uh, For those of you uh, joining us, if you wanna put yourself on speaker view that way, whichever person is speaking, whether it's Taylor or Jeremy, you won't have to search through the faces to find them as they're talking. So tell us, uh, Taylor, we'll go ahead and start with you. Tell us a little bit about you and what brings you here today.
2: Um, well, you've kind of summed me up already. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I've been with Kitsap Bank for about two and a half, three years almost. Time flies. Loving it. Uh, very new to banking, so I'm still learning the ropes uh, in that sense. So, really thankful to be surrounded by a lot of employees um, at Kitsap Bank who have been there for quite a few years. Um, you know, our our tenure at the bank is a little over eight years, I think, on average, and um, that has Played to a huge advantage for me, anyway, getting to understand the financial industry. And why I'm here today, I I do see a lot of (laughs) Kitsap Bank representation here, so I apologize if I seem redundant to you guys. But for those of you I don't know, um, I just like being able to be as helpful as I can from an HR standpoint in the community. Um, It is very much so a job seekers market right now, and of course, that ebbs and flows, I think, uh, just depending on what's going on in uh, the world today, and uh, we are coming out of hopefully coming out of, um, a pretty wild last year and a half ride. Um, so it, it does change a lot in in terms of perspective and, and who to hire, how to hire, and how to keep those employees.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Same question to you, Jeremy. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you here besides just me.
3: <laughs> you brought me here, Crystal. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for having me. This is a truly an honor. Um, my name is Jeremy Flowers. I, I live actually in the Puyallup, Washington area. I'm in Eugene, Oregon right now for an office visit. So um, it's kind of fun to be able to to be on the call and and be zoomed in, looking like I'm in Seattle, actually. Um, I have, uh, I've been in staffing, uh, finding people jobs since 1999. Um, Been working with Express almost about as long as Taylor has been working for Kitsap Bank, so two and a half-ish, three years going on there. Um, I have probably the funnest job I could have ever imagined. I get to support people like Crystal in growing her business. Um, I work uh, with fifteen offices; fourteen are in Western Washington, and this one in Eugene, Oregon. And um, we strategize on business business solutions, um, hiring, um, personnel development, um, just finding strategizing. It's kind of fun. We get to talk about what's good, what's needing improvement um all of that and we just we come up with solutions and you know i I think crystal can attest that when when she has a plan and she really invests in team and has the team that that she can get behind you see a lot more productivity Um, there's a lot more job satisfaction as being a leader and uh, you see the results so um when when I was an area vice president in my last company, I, was, I worked in healthcare staffing forever. Um, it was, I loved, I just love people. I love developing that person that comes in wide eyed and, and helping them grow and, and turn into someone that loves what they do and, and truly becomes invested in the company, whatever they do. If you're selling sprockets or if you're taking care, taking care of medically fragile children in their home, um, you're doing whatever it takes to, to get people into the right mindset to be successful at their job. So i um, excited to talk a lot more about that today.
1: Awesome. Thank you and welcome. I've said awesome like a hundred times today. I don't know what my problem is. I've reverted. I think it's because I started watching Heartland. So <laughs> I've like gone back a few years. It's all light and fun. But <laughs> Jeremy, we'll stick with you in the hot seat. Um, what kind of things are you seeing since you're crossing a lot of different offices that is needed currently to engage and retain staff or that you're seeing that's working out there?
3: Sure. I I think right now we all probably understand that the personnel that's coming to us are very sensitive. Um, And that's not a bad thing, but it's just sensitive. There's, there's a lot of opportunity for, employees to, to come to work. And I, I think the, the biggest thing that I'm seeing right now is the offices, the, the companies that are successful, and this isn't just in staffing, it's, it's all over, it's, it's companies, are is where the leader is investing, is truly investing in their personnel. And not just when, when, when your team understands that you care about them, um, they tend to perform better. And it's, I don't know the percentages, but I would venture to say that it's higher than 85, 90%, as far as attrition and retention, where if you have a plan, uh, um, a a development plan with somebody and you really focus on trying to really play to their strengths versus trying to really pick at what they're not doing well at, you're seeing a lot more benefit from from, uh, from employees that are saying, Oh gosh, I'm doing really, really good at this. Then you can focus on certain things that they need to improve on, but it's not always shame, shame, shame. It's Game of Thrones. Um, but <laughs> um, you know, you're not they're not feeling shame, they're feeling supported. They're feeling like you can pick them up and then let's add to what they need to work on. So I, I really think that level of engagement. And building people up is so key right now in this workforce. People need it. Um, Some people might've been at home for a long period of time um, and are trying to reenter and really nervous and kind of need a helping hand. So as leaders, it's really important. You know, I I don't know if I'm, you know, saying anything that people don't know, but I, I will say that if you have a plan and you really invest in your, con- your true concern for each individual that works for you, you will see positive results.
0: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but MidiHealth understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
1: Yeah, that is a great point, Jeremy. Like, just investing in the people and spending the time to care about them individually and understanding that they're sensitive to, like, so many different things. So, communication is key in that aspect. Taylor, what about you? What have you seen in engaging and retaining that's working or that the the workforce is really begging for right now?
2: Yeah, I think uh, some of what I kind of noted before today um, piggybacks a lot off of what Jeremy talked about. So, you know, and ironically enough, um, we were on a Washington Bankers Association call this morning and one of the presenters worded what I, I was trying to say. What my my boss Marilyn, who's actually on today, um, we were trying to come up with a, the best way to phrase it, really. And it was having grace with your employees. So you know, and Marilyn, and phrased it really well in the sense of you know trusting your staff, trusting your people now more than ever. Um, you know, for those of you that do have a remote, even if it's some people remote, some people not remote, um, environment. Um, or maybe you're in an office, but you're just not close to each other, just having faith and, and giving people the benefit of the doubt that they're doing their jobs. Um, and some people are, are even a little bit more hyperactive in that, in that sense, I think, right now, um, because we don't have that delineation between being at home and being at work like we used to. Um, and that's not every employee. We all have the one employee that maybe has taken full advantage of this current situation. But by and large... People are doing the job that you hired them to do and and then some. So having grace and understanding um, that everybody's situation the past year and a half has been very unique um, and and probably traumatizing in one way sense or, you know, one way, shape or form. Um, So understanding that and just being there to help. Um, And I think that as leaders and managers, that's a struggle to to exemplify and to show and get across to our employees from a virtual standpoint because being in person and having those sensitive conversations like Jeremy was talking about um, is a little bit trickier when you're face-to-face via Zoom or Teams or or Skype or whatever it is. So trying to really get that point across and letting, letting your team know that you're there um, I think now more than ever, that's become a, a big important factor that I know I've noticed um, in talking with people in, in other industries as well.
1: Given that we have this kind of remote and hybrid workforce, and Jeremy, I know you've worked remote through this whole thing and kids at Bank has as well. How have you done what you guys are saying, like having grace for people and staying connected with them, staying engaged and showing them you care? What are some of the things that you can share with us that you've done with your own teams or seen with other teams to help counteract that?
2: Um, I think some of what we tried to do, or at least me personally, maybe it wasn't an outright goal of, of the bank um, necessarily, but was to try and maintain some sense of normalcy through it. Um, So even though we had to take certain things that we used to do and adjust them to a virtual environment, there were things that we weren't willing to, to change. We weren't willing to negotiate on that factor. So for example, our our onboarding process. There were f- things about it that changed um, in in the sense of getting those, those forms, those W-4s and I-9s and all the nitty-gritty kind of background things you have to get done before they start putting that electronically. Okay, that was a shift, but what we weren't willing to shift was our day one orientation. That is still in person. That has not changed because we feel like you need some in-person contact. <laughs> um, you can't just say, hey, congratulations, welcome to the bank and you know, good luck training. And, and that's the end of the story. So I think in, in certain senses, we did have to manipulate some things, but I know that was a big one that we weren't willing to budge on because of the impact it has on the new hire. Um, so if you have to, you have to, obviously we wanna stay healthy. Um, but you know, Marilyn and I hired a a third HR, um, employee in September. And the other day she made some comments saying, you know, I haven't even met the majority of the people that I'm talking to. And she's been with us since September. So how many people do you have that are in that situation? Um, and what can you do as their manager, or even as a, a fellow employee to help kind of bridge that gap? Because it's, kind of unfortunate starting in an environment like that and not getting the opportunity to meet your coworkers in person. Um, so those were big pieces of it, I think, in terms of, of just retaining, but also bringing on new talent.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you. Great points. What about you, Jeremy, anything to add to that?
3: Well, yeah, I've been working virtual. And the funny thing is I took over in this role at express in July. So, um, you know, We And we had a travel ban, so I couldn't meet any of the people I worked with. And, you know, thank goodness for Zoom and Teams that, you know, you could be available. And I think the the thing I did most, more than anything, was made myself available to the newest employee in anybody's office and made sure I reached out and had conversations and let them know I was there for support. And, you know, I I, I have a a conversation with Crystal every week but then I ask her, what can I do for your team? And so she'll say, Hey, can you train on this? Or can you talk to this person about that? And you know, this and that. So um, when I'm in a role where I'm kind of traveling from different locations and usually can go and and sit with an office for a day or two and really get to know people uh, to be able to do that, you know, I can multiply it with multiple offices which is a benefit for technology, but then you can't really look behind the scenes and see what's actually going on in the home. So I think that, I guess my point is availability and and really showing concern for their job and helping them with goal setting and, and things like that and education, just so they feel like they're supported from a corporate perspective.
1: Nice. You both uh, talked about kind of the onboarding process a little bit in there. Uh, and some a lot of the stuff I've read talks about if you don't onboard someone really well, you tend to lose them in the first sixty to ninety days, which we all know that stat. So, Jeremy, what kind of onboarding uh, helps retain employees that you've seen or um, successful onboarding? I think we lost Jeremy. He's frozen. We'll go to you, Taylor, and we'll come back to Jeremy when he's unfrozen.
2: (laughs) While he's coming back. Um, So I think one of the biggest mistakes, and this is just from my history and in the work world um, that an employer can make is not starting onboarding until day one or dropping it at day one. Um, So what I mean by that is, and this could look different for any particular company and and how you normally go through the process with adding somebody to your team. But for me, I think now it's become more important than ever. Um, I always tried to make a habit of extending an offer to a person um, you know, letting them know how excited we are that they're joining the team. And that was always part of my, my routine. Um, but because now I know there's a chance that I may not meet them face-to-face for months, um, you know, th- th- things have changed a little bit. Um, I make a point to reach out to them multiple times before their day one even arrives. So, you know, what can, what can we do to really let them know that we are excited and we're dependent and we're, we care about them coming on board? Um, Because, again, mistakes, and I've made them personally, um, where you say, okay, you've been offered the job, we'll see you on day one. And in the meantime, they get a better offer somewhere else. And because you haven't really called them um, or sent them a fun goodie bag of logo wear or anything whatsoever, they're like, eh. I don't feel a connection to this place. I'm going to go to this one for X, Y, and Z reasons. So we've all made that mistake at some point in time. And for me, that's not something that's, it's so easily fixed. Um, so why not take the time to reach out and connect with those people multiple times before their day one? So you know, our process, you know, starting from day one going forward, formally, I suppose you could say it's 120-ish days. And I, I I would say that because they have a formalized training structure. They have a formal trainer. We have a day one that is set with them. And all of that section really culminates in my doing a stay interview with that new hire. Um, and... <sighs> I like doing those interviews because there are some tough questions for those people. Um, some of it is career pathing, which of course you always want to to discuss early on and, and continuously through someone's employment. Um, so I love doing that because I want to get a sense for where somebody's interested in going. Um, but one of the questions that I particularly like to ask is. Has there been a point in the last three to four months since you started with us that you regretted your decision to accept the job? It's really forward. It's really um, almost uncomfortable because they're like, oh, like, oh no, I don't have one. I don't have one. Um, and I, I love asking it because yes, I get that answer. Oh no, no, everything's been great. But then I get I get some sense sometimes and I'm able to dig based on that question. What has happened that made them reconsider, and how can we fix that? Um, and, and there have been circumstances where I've gotten good answers that I'm like, "Wow, yeah, that should never have happened, and we can fix it." So if maybe you're not the most forward of people, uh, you can reword that however you want. But that's a question I really like to ask, and you generally people want to be honest; they want to share their opinions. They'll they'll give you an answer. So um, that's that's kind of the big the big thing for me. I think was onboarding. I
1: love that. Can you say the, the sentence again, the question that you asked for anyone who might've missed it and seen my reaction went, wait, what did I miss?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I don't, I don't hit him with it right away. So maybe don't make that the intro question. Um, but you know, what have you, um, you know, has there been a time so far in your first few months with us where you regretted your decision to accept this position?
1: More that is so awesome. powerful that can uncover so many little like you said easily fixable things that yeah. if they're willing to share and create so much uh connection i think between a manager and their direct reports it's fantastic
2: and it gives you the opportunity as as their their boss their employer whatever your actual connection is to that person to act on it and to show that you actually mean business as opposed to like, okay, yeah, thanks for the feedback and moving on. You know, it, it gives a point to a 30-minute conversation.
1: All right. I love it. I always ask questions in that first 30, 60, 90, uh, each, each one of those meetings about the culture. Like, what have you noticed about the culture? How does it fit what we told you it was? How does it not fit? So the same kind of thing, but I really like the directness of that, obviously. I know everyone who knows me is super shocked that I like that. <laughs> How about you, Jeremy, uh, yeah. onboarding, like successful onboarding that you've seen to really retain staff?
3: Well, Taylor hit the nail on the head. It, it, there needs to be a process in place for onboarding, um, and it needs to be engaged, um, in my opinion. I, I think if we're bringing people along the way and if we're, if we're dragging our feet any, in any part of the process, they're going to leave. I, I hate to say it, but, you know, if, if we expect that they're not looking that an employee, that a candidate is not looking at 10 to 12 other companies right now, we're kind of we're kicking ourselves in the foot. Um, so how can we create that amazing candidate experience? It's following up, giving, giving people a call along the way before their day of hire. Um, asking any questions that they may have to, you know, may have not asked in the interview process or in, in the hiring process. Um, one thing I've seen that's been working pretty well is giving them homework to research the market um, and then following up with that person to, to see, hey, I just wanted to see if you did your homework, wanted to talk to you about it. Um, if they hadn't got to it, it's kind of a weird sign, but, uh, you know, a lot of most people will do it and it just kind of shows your level of engagement with them as that carries on to the onboarding. And like Taylor said, I think getting them a nice little bag of swag or you know, something cool is, is important. Just so they say, gosh, my employer gave me this. That, that's kind of neat on my first day. And I just disclaimer, I had a daughter that just got hired by Alaska Airlines. Um, she's working the gate right now and she didn't talk once about the pay. It's not very good, but she all she talked about is, they gave me an allowance for clothes and they gave me a, you know, this and that, and they were so nice to me. And I think when you think about an employee hiring on it, it's really, they know what they're going to make. So it, it's really goes to how are we treating them and how is that onboarding experience? And what does day one look like? Have we got them, if you're a corporation, have we got their email set up ahead of time? Is their desk clean is, you know, they're like a little welcome. Hello. Sign on their desk to make them feel like they're part of a team. It's that initial, you know, first couple weeks that makes them say, I want to be here. I don't care about that company that's going to call me and offer me $2 more an hour because I really enjoy this and I enjoy the people and they're taking care of me and they care about me. So I think, you know, just going back to the initial pieces. What are we doing to set them up? What are we doing in our leadership roles to set ourselves up for our teams to be successful?
1: I think that's fantastic that uh, giving them some homework prior to, like I do some personality testings as most of you know um, prior to and I set up meetings in between to chat with them about that and let them know where their teammates are gonna sit on that so they can look at that Um, But never looked at it in kind of the terms of homework. But it does help keep me engaged with them. I think I've only once in seven years had an applicant ghost me and and disappear, which is fairly good track record. I'm gonna stick
2: pretty good. I'm jealous.
1: (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, huh, I didn't realize that. Um, and just continuing to connect with them in between that, I think that's really a great point. We did have a question in the chat that I want to throw out there um, from Bill, and we might need some clarification on it. Uh, are the younger new hire people from high school or college expecting this investment in their improvement and focus on this primary online job action?
0: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. Can you clarify that a little bit, Bill?
4: Right. I was just wondering if the people who are looking to get out into the job market uh, within this uh, challenging COVID timeframe, I was just thinking that um, sometimes uh, people who maybe in their 20s or early 20s. Uh, versus somebody that uh, is looking for a job and they've been at it since they're 30 or 35 or 40 is the investment and, and being being nice to the new employees something uh that the younger hires are going to be expecting uh in in their environment i'm, I'm just kind of wondering because um getting a face-to-face job and and being uh, uh somewhat uh a little bit different environment that we're in. I'm just kind of wondering um, if the new hires, either out of high school or out of college, is their mindset going to be radically different than than somebody that has been looking for a, a new job or looking for a job at doing it for 25 or 30 years? Is is the uh, investment and the uh, improve, improvements that we've talked about So far, just being nice to the new hire, I'm kind of wondering, is that because of the time in the employment uh, activities is different? Or do you think somebody that has been at it since since their 40s would see it the same way that somebody that's doing it at age 25? That's kind of what I was looking for.
3: That's a great question. And it's really it's really interesting to to discuss. Um, I'm living it right now with my family. I've, I'm dealing with a 21-year-old who, and she has a boyfriend who's just tried to get a job. And I'm talking to them about jobs and how to get a job. And it's literally like talking to a five-year-old and excuse me, if, you know, whatever, <laughs> but you, you know, you sit there and you talk about a, appropriate dress for an interview, attire, follow-up, questions to ask, things like that. And you're dealing with uh, like that. These kids, high school to probably 22, 24, don't know how to get a job. The the main thought process is I'm going to apply on Indeed to a job and they're either going to call me back or there's no jobs available. That's it. Mm -hmm. And I, I dealt with this with, I have four kids. So there's, it's kind of like, I'm going through the stages of getting a job. And when my <clears> daughter <throat> turned 16, the first thing she did was create a resume and started putting it out on the internet. And the, um, I said, okay, what did you do to follow up? And she's got, I got the, uh, I'm like, okay, well let's write a script. This is what you do. You call and you follow up with your resume. And she did and she was the only kid in her network that got a job and they were all jealous. And then she started telling them how to do it. But my point is there's a huge disconnect between jobs available and people understanding how to get jobs. And then people that are getting jobs are settling for jobs. So they don't know that there's great jobs out there. So once we get to the point of actually getting somebody that we want to invest in, the, these kids are just like, oh my gosh, Taylor's the greatest leader, the greatest person I've ever, she actually talked to me and I got a swag bag and they didn't just put me on a schedule and make me dip Sundays at McDonald's or whatever. And, um, you know, there's, there's people like that that are capable and competent for working, but they just, they literally don't know how to find jobs. And, you know, and then it's up to us to kind of They've also had a year of being at home and not necessarily needing to get a job or couldn't get a job because there weren't a lot of jobs available. So everybody's gun-shy right now. And until we can kind of bring them back into the, into normalcy, bring them back from the wild, then we kind of have to be extra sensitive at this point and, and baby steps along the way.
1: And for different reasons across the gen- generations, it sounds yeah, like. like. Absolutely. We all have a different reason we need the employer to be sensitive. Anything to add to that, Taylor?
2: I was just gonna say you're sort of touching on one of my favorite topics, which is the generational difference. <laughs> um, and this is always a good or a bad thing for me to say, but I am a millennial, <laughs> so I have this um, because of that. I have this this reputation automatically when I enter a room of being a job jumper and um, not a loyalist. And you know, I just um, to a degree, I think that may be true. Um, I think. Kids today, and I I give a lot of credit to them because I I was telling Marilyn a couple weeks ago, the applications I'm getting right now are, by and large, 18 to 25. Um, I'm not seeing a ton of applicants applying um, that have, you know, 10, 15, 20 years job experience, which for some of our roles, we really wish we could see, right? Because there may be more senior level or, um, you, you know, just varying reasons for why we're looking for somebody with experience. So I, I am seeing a ton of kids that just graduated from OC um, or they're, they just finished the running start program and they're getting out of high school. Um, and some of them, like Jeremy said, they are go-getters and those are the, Standouts of the group, and then you have the other ones that kind of just don't really know what foot to put forward first. Um, so I, I love that topic of generational differences, but I think um, I think constant contact, constant connection, um, and letting making it very apparent what you're going to do to help somebody grow in a career, whatever that career may be, is important across any generation. Um, the, the reason why somebody is interested may be different. They might be at a different point in their life. Um, and somebody who's 18 probably has no clue if they want to stay in banking or they want to go to the medical industry. I mean, they, they may not know. Um, but for me, one of my biggest drivers just as a person is, okay, if banking's not for you, then what do we need to do to get you where you want to go? So I, I stress that all the time when I do job fairs, um, you know I I was just on one with Western Washington and I got students who signed up uh, because their teacher told them they had to do it and it was completely apparent (laughs) and they got on and they were tripping over their words and clearly they didn't care about financial industry Um, and I said okay I get it let's exchange contact information let's let us let me help you do a resume, call me anytime if you want to know, if you want to prep for interviews. I mean, so it's, it's bigger than just you, it's bigger than just the company and, and what can you do to help. But I think, you know, yeah, the younger kids do want to know that you're invested.
1: And I would say some of those entering into the workforce to what Jeremy was saying about that unsureness about applying, and you touched on it as well, I see a lot of people who they've worked at a company for 10, 12 years, and then during this time lost their job. They haven't had to look for a job since like for 12 years. And it's so different uh, now than it was 12 years ago. So they're in that same place of just being unsure. So the more we can communicate what our process is to help them and handhold them through it, it sounds like, is going to help us. Engage them and, and get them onto our team. It's like getting back in the dating game. Jennifer said, I'm "Dying." <laughs> <laughs> I yeah.
3: think
1: that's worse. Dating's way worse. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I think the big t- the big word that I heard out of out of all this is basically the unsureness and maybe the 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 new person. It's going to be unsure something new an, an, anyway. But I think the challenge is going to be the people at the ten year point that lost their job or they say we'll come back in three months we'll give it a shot those people are gonna i think gonna have much more anxiety because uh, they thought they had a job for a long time and it it went away under no actions of of, of their own that's that's a big challenge
1: yeah you know and one of the called? one
4: of the oh sorry go ahead crystal
1: no jeremy you go ahead you're the panelists they can talk to me <laughs> all the time
3: i was gonna say one of the greatest gifts we could give to anybody, know them, don't know them, whatever, is, and I know it's extremely difficult when you post on Indeed and get 125 resumes sent to you, but the greatest gift we can give is a follow-up call or email, just to let them know that we're not going to consider them, or we would, you know, let's have a little conversation, and maybe I could get you to a a job that you might need to get in, I I might be a candidate for, um, or you're a great candidate, let's talk, but so many people are so gun shy right now to post. They throw their their resume out in all these places, and they don't hear back from anybody. And it's you know, it's there's there's kind of some PTSD to submitting your resume now. It's crazy, but really I hear it all the time. Mm-hmm.
1: It is disheartening. And that's what I was going to add after uh, Bill was talking is I see so many people, their confidence just shattered, whether they're young and they just don't have the confidence because they don't have the experience or it's that person that just lost their job. And they're feeling like I suck. Like they, they just don't have that kind of um joy and heart behind finding the job there's too scared there's too much anxiety around it so if we can communicate with them we're the professionals we do it every day and make sure we just contact them tell them why they they aren't chosen so they can work on it i we're about you know we got 20 minutes left I want to throw it out uh, for Jeremy or Taylor. Uh, Is there anything that you want to share that you're doing now that works um, or that you're really excited about that we haven't covered already?
3: Taylor, you can start.
2: (laughs) Oh, thanks. (laughs) 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 Mm, I'm going over my notes. I think... Probably I might bounce back and forth with you, Jeremy, on this, um, just because there's some thoughts I want to put together. But I I think constantly checking in and making an effort to engage with not just your team, but you know, if you're a small business, then maybe that's a little easier to do. If you're larger, then making an effort to reach out to people that you don't normally talk to on a regular basis, um, I think is more important now than it really ever has been. Um, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had that started with a really quick question on benefits, for example, and evolved into a 15-minute conversation about a really personal situation that's come up in their lives. Um, And it's not to say that we didn't have personal issues a year and a half ago versus today, but the impact is different. um, And and just letting people know that you are genuine and getting personal and not being afraid to get personal, even if you are a video apart, um, I think can go a long way, um, retention or not. I I think just it's, it's people being people.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think that also, you know, it segues to having that difficult conversation if you need to, and this isn't just onboarding that's creating your culture of, I call it a feedback rich environment, um, where, they're okay to tell you where they're struggling and you're okay to tell them where they're struggling and where you're struggling with that person. Um, so it doesn't become, I'm so sick of this person. I've got to get rid of them, but I can't get rid of them. You know, uh, It's more, okay, let's, again, let's focus on where you can improve today. And this is what I'd like to see. And these are some goals I want to set for you. Um, things like that. Um, I, I also think that just making sure that, you're giving people the kudos that are deserved, even if they don't, you know, if, they, if they're if they going above and beyond where you can, I don't know, it's giving them recognition um, to the team or to your higher ups or whatever, where they feel like, gosh, they saw something. I didn't even think I was doing great, but I, I guess I was doing great. And you noticed it. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, and the final thing I, I thought I was thinking about was. I call it the chame- the chameleon effect. Um, as we're hiring people and working with anybody, you know, it, we, we don't have, a lot of times, I guess, when we're leading, we tend to lead how we lead, not how our team needs us to lead them. So to really and truly understand what presses the right buttons on a team member, you know, it could be financial incentives. It could be an extra couple hours off or someone really needs straight just goals. And to be able to cater your approach on an individual basis versus them adapt to you um, really shows that you care. And it shows that you're making adjustments to, to show them that they can be successful in any environment, in your environment, because you can, because you're creating this environment for them to, to be successful. Um, so again, to Taylor's point, getting to know them and understand them, what makes them tick, and then cater your approach individually to each teammate so that you can get the most out of them instead of having them do the same routine that they do not like that they wake up at six and push their snooze alarm instead of waking up at six and saying let me get my hair down and go um you know just all getting them ready to you know just making
0: brain fog insomnia moodiness achy joints weight gain maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older or that's what your doctor tells you but midi health understands that for women over 40 they can all be connected of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should, too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.
5: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by wordpress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com/wondersuite. That's bluehost.com/wondersuite.
3: Your company, the absolute best place that they would want to be working at. So, and I'm watching it happen in Crystal's office right now. It's really cool to see everybody's so excited and happy. And, you know, she's, I've seen it personally where there's a great new team of people that truly want to work for each other with Crystal, for Crystal, and it's, it's becoming a a great unit.
1: Well, and thank you for those kudos. My next question was going to be, how do you celebrate people's accomplishments? And he just calls me out in the middle of a webinar. Uh (laughs) which I love. It's good. Um, one of the things to your point, Jeremy, is that kind of situational leadership and leading the way people need to be led. Um, you know, you guys have heard me talk about working genius, and I'm 100% behind this program. And that's really what's creating this energy in my office is that everyone's working more in the things that give them energy. And none of us are burnt out. We're leaving at the end of the day, like, oh, we got to do this. And we got to, And there's just this energy and excitement because we're all spending the majority of our day doing the things we love and sharing the things that we hate. (laughs) It makes a huge difference. So finding what works for each individual really makes a huge difference. What are some ways that you guys celebrate your employees' accomplishments that really give them that recognition and that call out?
2: Um, well, I like Jeremy's use of kudos because that's actually what our program's called. So, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for bridging that gap. Um, so, one one of the things that we do um, is, is a kudos program. Uh, I, I I don't know about you guys, but I've worked in places where it was you know a handwritten note um, that you know the employee would get, and those are wonderful. Don't get me wrong, um, but you know maybe their manager never really heard about that person getting the shout out. Um, and so I like the way our, our system is set up. And if you don't have something that you can do electronically, even if it is a note, um, letting letting the their leader or their manager know that they've been recognized, I think kind of adds to that. It compounds on on the the reward itself. Um, even if, and especially if you have an employee who hates being recognized publicly. Um, so if you have that behind the scenes person, it gives you kind of an added way to, to let everybody know. Um, So I love that program. We also have a service award program. Um, Like I said, our our tenure with the bank is a little over eight years. Um, We've got some employees that are 30 plus year veterans at the bank. Um, and Every five years we do a a, a thanks for being here. Anniversary, congratulations. Um, And we add a a little diamond to a KB um, lapel pin that they get um, and get to keep over the years. Um, And they also get to do a, a gift purchase from a catalog that usually has like an increasing value depending on how long they've been here. Um, We also, this morning reminded me of that. It wasn't on my list originally to mention, but we do a lot of monthly shout outs on our monthly update calls that are bank wide, um, whether it's you know, the paycheck protection program comes to mind with the bank and you guys are probably all very familiar with that and unique in different ways. Um, that took efforts of a lot of different people at the bank. So that was a big shout out that, that was, uh, was presented. Um, and then, you know, we have, we have some compensation related accomplishments that we, we like to, or awards, I should say, we like to give to people as well. So those are kind of our, our central ones there.
1: Thank you. What about you, Jeremy?
3: I'm a big shouter outer. Um, I love, you know, a lot of times I'll just send somebody uh, an email or call them and just say, did you know that you did this and this? And, you know, sometimes they're like, no, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. And um, especially when there's rankings, our company's huge on rankings. So um, to be able to call somebody and say, you're top 10 in the entire West at doing this. And they're like, oh, great. And um, yeah, things like that, uh, where, I think it works well for people to show, not just to say what they did, but how it impacted the company. Um, because you did this, you we were able to do this as a company. Um, that's making their job tangible and really, you know it shows their worth. Um, so things like that. obviously, understanding their love language, you know some people love food, some people love money, some people love, an extra couple hours on a Friday on a whim, where you say, "Gosh, you kick some booty this week!" Hop out at three. Great job, um, proud of you. And you know, just again, understanding what makes them tick. Some people might be on a super diet, so a you know, cheeseburger lunch isn't probably the best thing to motivate somebody. Um, or somebody's well off financially and doesn't need that extra hundred bucks. So it's just a matter of what what fits for somebody and. Um, and then catering your approach to them.
1: Fantastic. You both touched on culture a little bit as well. Um, Tell us about like some tips for building a culture, maintaining your culture for that development to engage and retain the staff.
4: Well,
3: my opinion, culture is king. Um, If you have the team, the business will come. If you have the team, your business will work. it starts with the leader. It, it starts with what, what your expectations are of your team and how you articulate those. Um, if you're in a closed door office all day, every day, and you come back and uh, you come out and start screaming and yelling, um, people aren't going to typically last too long there. Well, is um, that
1: why my stuff's not working? No?
3: <laughs> Whatever. Um <laughs> You know, I, I I really and I also think that it, it starts with your selection of candidates um, settling for people in this time can really it, it's a problem because you're settling for people that might not fit with with what you need, which ultimately causes grief and resentment. And what am I doing here? And all that kind of stuff. So. I would recommend being picky and not hiring somebody that can do the job, but hiring somebody that you feel you could pour into because it's a lot easier to to work. It's a lot easier to come to work every day with a team that you feel like, gosh, I love them. They're great. I want to, I want to teach them this today and they're going to listen to me and it's going to be cool um, versus I want to close my door and not talk to anybody. And so as leaders, that's some, that's a controllable thing. And sometimes it means making a hard decision now in order to, to have that culture long-term.
1: Yeah. Those are tough decisions too. When you have someone that just doesn't fit the culture, but their skills are, you know, their top sales or something like that. It's really hard, but the my experience is the engagement of the rest of the team always goes up as soon as that person's not here because they don't fit the culture. What about you, Taylor?
2: Uh, <laughs> Jeremy gave me PTSD a little bit there for a second. Oh thinking, no! <laughs> I was thinking about a, a former employer where it basically was my expectation to hire anyone and everyone, and I just I I remember how much it made me feel like. I made a total mistake in getting into human resources. I mean, it was that bad. So I, just from the standpoint of, yeah, don't, you know, in, in, inadequate vetting during the interview process can be detrimental. <laughs> um, hiring a warm body because you, the business demands are high. Your business demands are always going to be high. So, uh, you know, not not like like Jeremy said, not settling um, or, or finding a way to help that particular applicant Maybe get there and then reapply. You know, there's there's different things that you can do. Like I said, I I just like being able to help people in general, even if it's not with at Bank. Um, you know, because eventually they're going to find what works, what where they fit, whether that's their culture fit or at a different company, or it's it's with you. Um, so so those are really big things, and I think. Um, if you don't have like a mentorship program formally creating an environment where leaders understand that that might be an expectation or that that is heavily encouraged, I think is still something to talk about. Um, even if you don't have a formal program, I wouldn't say that we do necessarily at the bank. But there are people I could name off right now that I know have people they could absolutely say, "Oh, this person's my mentor," um, and you know, I, I, I've learned everything I know about banking from them, and I've gotten where I where I have gotten because of them. Um, so those, I think, are more often than not, people do crave having somebody to go to and somebody to learn from whether or not they admit it. Um, So I think that that's a big factor too, to consider, even if, again, it's not a formal program, but it's something that your leaders just know that they can offer their services wherever need be for employees. Um, And that goes a long way.
1: I loved what you've said and you've you've touched on it a couple of times, Taylor, throughout that. And I think it speaks really well to you and at Bank's culture that you keep talking about helping them and giving them the step up, whether they're the right fit for you or not. And that's building a beautiful brand in the community that even if they don't come to work for you, they still remember at Bank well. And um, yeah. Laura put something in the chat saying, Employers that don't get back to applicants have to remember that that applicant could be a future customer. Don't burn those bridges. And uh, building that kind of relational equity in the community is a really beautiful part of your guys' culture.
2: Yeah. And I, you know, not to tout my own horn, because I think a lot of us have probably been there, but I can think of a particular employee who really, really, really wanted to work with us and the timing just wasn't right. I mean, for months and it was all I could do to stay in touch with him and just say, I think you're great. Your resume is great. You have the experience, but I just don't have the job right now. And Four months later, I had the job. We hired him and he, he uh, three, four months after that, is now doing the job he actually really wanted to be doing at the bank. So there's a way to make it happen. Um, if you find those people and it's just not the right time, it, things go full circle, they'll come back.
1: Stay in touch. You guys have both said it a million times today. Stay in touch. Keep communicating. (laughs) Well, we're running out of time, sadly, because this is such a fantastic conversation and you both have so much knowledge to share. Any last things you want to share or any questions from the group that you would like to throw in there? Change to gallery view so I can see everyone's face. I don't see anyone rushing for their mute, unmute button. Because <laughs> I'll keep asking questions. but anything Taylor that you'd like to share uh, that we haven't hit on?
2: No, I think I mentioned that once before, but I don't be afraid to get personal. Um, yes, there's the line between personal and professional, but I think that right now, um, especially for those of you that do have a more virtual or remote environment, um, it doesn't hurt to share your own stories. It doesn't hurt to to personalize things a little bit because it, it does get the the genuine factor across but it also makes you a little bit more relatable than a person on a screen um and keep in mind what i you know what i mentioned from the beginning that you may have employees that haven't met the vast majority of your company um because of the times because that's when they came on board and those people are the people that in terms of retention you really need to watch out for um, because maybe they don't feel as connected as the rest of us do
1: and that can be as simple as calling them out saying, hey, I have—I don't feel connected with you. Can we set up a time to just chat and get to know yeah. each other a little bit? It can be that simple. It doesn't have to be something gigantic.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Jeremy, anything else for you to add before we sign off for the day?
3: Uh, I, I concur with being genuine. I, I think thats it's so needed right now um, in the market. There's people struggling mightily to find a job and they don't, again, they don't know how. And, um, for us, we could save a life honestly, or make somebody's day just by giving someone a phone call just to show them we care. Um, it, it's important and just understanding that there's a lot of people out there that, that could fill what we're looking for. They just don't know how to do it. So how do we get that outreach out there and, and show them that we're here in, in our community and hiring and, Um, and want to lead them appropriately. So that's it.
1: Thank you. I'll say it one more time. Awesome. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for giving up your time today. I could talk for another hour. We might have to do a part two Um, (laughs) because this, yeah, fantastic information and stuff that all of us need in our daily lives. So this will go out as a podcast, Uh, Taylor and Jeremy, I'll let you know uh, when it releases so you guys can check it out and share it with uh, friends who maybe couldn't come on today, but join us. And we did talk quite a bit about Generations on here as well. And Karen is on, she did an episode for us a couple of months back on generations in the workplace. So you can go jump on heartbeat of kids at podcast.com and listen to that. There was a lot of good information in there and we'll skip next week because it's Memorial day, but we'll see you back on the eighth until then, everyone have a productive day. Thanks everybody. Thanks everyone for listening to the heartbeat of Kitsap with Silverdell chamber of commerce. If you like our show, you want to know more, check us out at silverdellchamber.com or kitsapbusinessforum.com. And please leave us a review on Apple radio until next time. Have a productive day.